0: Hey, what up? This is Zach Guilford from Midnight Mass, and you're listening to one of my favorite podcasts, Pop Culture Pastor. Pop Culture Pastor.
1: <clears throat> and so, I'm just adding to my list of things that we don't do. We don't talk about Bruno. That's okay. added to the list of things we don't do. Um, no, no. Yeah. And I only have one other thing on that list, and that's don't talk about Fight Club. (laughs) So we don't talk about Fight Club. We don't. And we don't talk about Bruno. Except I do talk about Fight Club and Bruno. It'd be cool if we could figure out an allegory between them. Yes. That somehow Fight Club had some similarities with Encanto. Um. But
0: clearly, everyone talked about Fight Club. Yeah. That's true.
1: Everyone, No one followed that rule. Because it spread across the nation. Yeah. Everybody loved that movie. That was one of those movies. I, it's, okay, so there are a couple movies that stick out in my head that I missed the hype on. Okay. And saw them much later after the hype had built them up into something that they couldn't possibly live up to. Two movies, Fight Club and The Matrix. That by the time I saw them, I was like, okay, it was good, but it's not, like, mind-blowing.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, I didn't watch uh, Fight Club when it came out. I was way too young. So, like, there was all this build-up, and then, like, it's just part of pop culture now.
1: And yet, I still will talk about Usual Suspects. Yes, (laughs) Yes because <laughs> I saw that in it in that like you know frame of time where a lot some people a lot of people hadn't seen it yet so usual suspect there's movies on the uh, the flip side of that is usual suspects and big lebowski yeah I saw in like the th- little theater that played independent movies when they came out and I was just like I was extolling their virtues I was like handing out tracks in the parking lot <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "You should see this. It will save your life."
0: Um, shockingly,
1: it probably won't. <laughs> no, no. Uh, but it will be entertaining. It, um, wildly, all four of those are good movies.
0: Yeah. Um, now, a movie that I'll reference, and people will look at me weirdly when I do. Seven. Hmm. Yeah. What's in the box? And like, I'll do that whole routine and people are like, why are you so dramatic about what's in this box?
1: (laughs) That was one of those movies. I remember seeing that when it came out and I recognized how good it was, but it disturbed me so much that I didn't really talk about it or felt the need to ever watch it again. I only watched it the one time in the theater.
0: Oh no, I've seen it a handful of times, but that's the second like Kevin Spacey movie that we've
1: discussed. I have this recurring nightmare where I wake up and I'm the guy who's like representing the sin of sloth or no, <laughs> oh gluttony. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> no. <laughs> when the walkie Chewbacca. You know?
0: <laughs> <laughs> never have I ever had that dream. I have weird night. My
1: nightmares are always, almost always psychological.
0: Um, I'm. I'll say mine are, but like, never like that oddly specific or
1: body horror. You know, like it's always like I'm stuck in some weird. So like one time I had a dream where I was playing football and my my leg just kept snapping. And I was like reliving it over like, you know, when they are you, Joe Theismann? Well, right. But like they show (laughs) that it was like watching it on Insta replay like they used to do back in the day. They would just show it and show it and show it. Yeah. And like Lawrence Taylor destroying Joe Theismann's leg. And um. I remember, I've had, those are like, those are the most realistic dreams or I have these weird body horror dreams. Or your teeth fall out. Uh, okay, so the teeth falling out one I have quite frequently. Yeah. And I don't like it. That was, I had that one a lot in high school. We you think you're going to high school and your teeth start falling out in class or the lunchroom. It's all psychological. But yeah. I don't know. I don't know how we, how we got here. Talking about our nightmares, psychological nightmares. Thanks a lot, Kevin. Spacey. You're listening to Dreamweavers, a podcast about your dreams. <laughs> now, <laughs> that'd be kind of cool, but I don't. I'm not. I don't have any expertise in that.
0: Um, I don't think Miss Cleo did either. So
1: <laughs> well, that's not, who I go to for uh, all my
0: information.
1: I have an aunt who would beg to differ. <laughs> 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 um, didn't everybody? Uh, you're listening to Pop Culture Pastor, a podcast. Uh, by two guys who sometimes have a guest. We like it when we have guests. <clears throat> um, we do not have a guest tonight, but we talk about pop culture and we're also pastors. Yes. We're in ministry. And we like to do this because um, we like to be a part of this pop culture crowd. We, we're geeks at heart. We are. And so we just want to hang with you, fellow geeks. You're welcome. (laughs) We talk about stuff geeks like to talk about. Pop culture. Um, You'll have to bear with me today. I'm getting over an illness. Uh, If you listen to the podcast regularly, you might be able to tell. I don't know. Can you tell? Um, My voice, I'm a little hoarse. I was going to say it's a little bit more grit. I got some huskiness. I'm like uh, Phoebe in that episode of Friends where she gets sick and her voice is really husky. She's got a good and she likes it. (laughs) <laughs> smelly cat, smelly cat, you know, oh. and she tries to keep being sick, but then it eventually goes away. Anyways, um, yeah, my voice might sound a little more hoarse or husky, I'm like Bonnie Tyler. You are in total eclipse of the heart. Anyways, I'm going to try and talk slower and it's going to sound a lot like NPR. Probably you're listening to NPR smooth jazz by the way npr if uh you're interested i'm looking <laughs> i wouldn't turn down that gig <laughs> i don't think anybody would <laughs> um yeah i mean if you're paying i'm yeah. there yeah right it'd be fun i mean they're super liberal over there but i'd get on there and just be like my name is dave rimble and you're listening to npr you know it'd be fun uh, but I'm gonna I'm gonna talk slower and a little bit softer. I'm gonna try not to get too excited. I generally get excited in a lot of these podcasts. Reel it in. But if I get excited, then I'll start. Might spur a coughing fit. Just to be clear, I'm not endangering Cody. Please I spent, don't. I spent the number of days I needed to spend quarantining. It's been more than enough days since I started experiencing symptoms, and I feel great actually. But as it sometimes does. the the tickle in the throat hangs on. Mm. Mm. So I've got a cough drop and I'm good to go. We're ready. What we normally do here to start off the show is we talk about stuff that's in pop culture news right now. Cody, are you a fan of Godzilla? Not particularly. No, this, see, this is another age thing. So you were just young enough where you miss like, so when I was a kid, By the time you're a kid who's watching TV, you've got lots of channels. So many. Yeah. So when I'm a kid, we only really... I mean, we really only have, like, the three networks, the main networks. And then there was, like, Fox, which was trying to be that fourth network. And then maybe you had, like, a, you know, like, a WGN or something, TBS. Yeah. Because for some reason, those channels were around. Some people had them. Um but man saturday afternoons or sunday afternoons almost exclusively one of those networks would show you these the old toho godzilla movies the black and white ones yes man in suit i mean the the guy in the godzilla suit stomping on the models and they were wonderful i have such fond memories of finding those on tv flipping through the channels and finding one and like being like yes So, like, any new movie
0: of Godzilla, I have beef with just because there's usually, like, these logical, flawed moments that I'm like, well, why would they do this? Or why would he do this? This doesn't make any sense at all.
1: And so then I'm like, this is garbage. Well, I have a confession. I watched the first Godzilla movie, and then there was another Godzilla movie, correct? Mm Mm-hmm. Which I didn't see, which may have been the first one with Eleven from Stranger Things, right? Yeah. And then there was a King Kong movie, the Kong Skull Island movie, which I did see. Mm -hmm. But then they had the Godzilla Kong movie, which I didn't see. (laughs) This was in the pandemic. I could have easily seen it, but I was like, (laughs) I felt like I needed to watch the second Godzilla movie first because some of the characters that were in that movie were in this one. Yeah. So full disclosure... I haven't seen the newest one or the second Godzilla movie. I, and I and there's going to be another. Well, the hard part is, is, well, this is where I'm getting to, is they're going to have this television series of oh. Legendary's Monster Versus getting the small screen treatment. Apple TV has partnered with Legendary for a new original live action show based on the creatures and the mysterious monster tracking organization seen in the popular films. Okay. Which I'm here for. But here's the problem. My wife, not into it. So I gotta find time to watch these movies so I can catch up. So, have you seen Godzilla and Kong?
0: Um, bits and pieces. Is it worth my time? Is it good? I I like literally might have saw ten minutes of it. My wife actually watched it because mm-hmm. uh, I was like, eh, I don't need to see
1: this. We are terrible geeks. We're just busy. Yeah. Like, so when we did our New Year's show, this was one of my resolutions was that I really only make time now for those movies, like the Marvel movies and the Marvel stuff and the Star Wars stuff, Star Wars stuff, because like I'm just, I'm running out of time when I would just sit down and watch a movie in in my younger days, Mm -hmm. but like my kids are getting older and they all have stuff going on on the weekends. Anyways. Um. The show will be executive produced by Chris Black, sci-fi veteran behind Star Trek Enterprise and uh, the Robert Kirkman series Outcast, and Matt Fraction, best known for uh, writing the Marvel Comics Hawkeye run that they based the show on. Oh. They will act as co-creators with Black as the showrunners. Uh, Toho's Monster. Legendary has been unleashing Toho's Monster since 2014's Godzilla, which we talked about. After that first film, it began building a cinematic universe of monsters that included King Kong, which is not owned by Toho, as well as giant monster beings known collectively as Titans, Kaiju, that come from beneath the Earth's crust to wreak havoc on human civilization. Okay. How dare they? 2017's Kong Skull Island, which I have seen. Mm -hmm. 2019's Godzilla King of the Monsters, which I have not seen. You have not. And 2021's Godzilla vs. Kong, which I have not seen. And I've seen bits and pieces of, <laughs> okay, we need to have a, we just need to have a viewing. Maybe we should do it down here at the at the Firescape. All Godzilla, all the time. Yeah. You know, we need to, we need to get through these movies and pessimistically criticize them and tear them apart.
0: No. <laughs> um, like I feel with the Godzilla franchise at any generation, you can easily do a mystery science theater with them
1: mm-hmm. yep. Yeah. okay i i resolved to watch these movies at some point in the next month or so so we can talk about this more and we should probably watch them together
0: i was going to resolve to watch the series and call it good
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a safe bet <laughs> I, I mean that's part of the reason is i didn't hear overwhelmingly good things um about those movies i think kong skull island was fine uh it's entertaining
0: godzilla kong um that one had alexander uh scars (sighs) garden
1: (laughs) okay was that i'm sorry am i supposed to react to that
0: well some people really find him to be a phenomenal actor
1: i mean he's great I'd rather see that Viking movie he's going to be in.
0: Yeah, that looks. Where good. he's like killing everybody. That looked amazing. And since Plus he his abs. Is are you killing me? technically a Viking. Like,
1: it's very realistic. So. I mean, I'm quite comfortable in my sexuality, but I can recognize when a man's done some work. Like, dude, congratulations on the abs. Yeah. Way to go, Skarsgård. I don't have those. So. I mean, either. Um, but I'm okay with that. Yeah. And, you know. Mo' money, mo' problems, probably, <laughs> 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 for Alexander, but good for him. Um, yeah, all right. Next story. This comes from uh, straight from the Hollywood Reporter. Christmas come early for Legendary and Warner Brothers. The two companies are gearing up to make a sequel to the Christmas holiday classic, A Christmas Story closing a deal for Peter Billingsley, the child star of the original 1983 movie, to top line and produce. I don't know how I feel about it. What what is there to feel about it but good?
0: Uh, And that's what people said about the Home Alone series, but yet... You like Home Alone 2. I like Home Alone 1 and 2, yes. Okay, so well, they had at least one sequel that was good. No, no, I mean, like, the Disney Plus series. Like, I don't know if we need to go back and revisit. That's how I am. That, like,
1: I'm good. Okay, but when they get some of the original people, like, I'm I'm excited for Peter Billingsley has been done a lot of stuff behind the camera, in fact, in his career, more than he's done in front of it. Uh, So, and with his relationship with the source material, he's obviously going to take great care i would think in this let me tell you a little bit about it i mean before you get all negative um titled a christmas story christmas the feature which is intended for hbo max will be directed by clay cadis who already tackled the snowy holiday season with the christmas chronicles uh, with kurt russell okay he uh he he directed that uh and it has a script by nick shank the writer behind recent clint eastwood movies such as "Gran torino and the mule which is interesting. <laughs>
0: uh, I'm now kind of intrigued just because that doesn't seem to lend itself at all to Christmas. Well, uh, you know what? Telling, but I,
1: It's interesting. And at the very least, that's something. Okay. I mean, it could have said from, you know, from the writer of jingle all the way. And I'd have been like, I no, would you. have
0: been like, sign <laughs> me. no, uh, no,
1: you wouldn't know. <laughs> no one should be like that. Okay. While the original movie followed Ralphie, a nine year old boy who desperately wanted a Red Rider BB rifle and was set in 1940. The new story will take place in the 1970s and sees an adult Ralphie return to his house on Cleveland Street to deliver his kids a magical Christmas like the one he had growing up. Okay, so. That's not encouraging to you at all? The studio is hoping to recreate the same real life tone of the first movie to show the now father reconnect with childhood friends and reconcile the passing of his old man and callbacks to the initial film. Except now it's going to be set in the 70s. So they can... So, like, they remember how that movie looked old even for its time? Yes. So now that it'll be able to shoot in the style of the 70s, in that time where he's the dad now. I think this is brilliant. Um. So...
0: It has potential, but it could also have the same potential of... The big Lebowski sequel, The Jesus Rolls.
1: Oh, yeah. I forgot about
0: that. And so, I mean,
1: yeah. Did you see that? Was it not good? It wasn't good, was it? Like. Let's be clear. The sequel, that quote unquote sequel sequel was not done by the Coen brothers and had no one that was involved with that. Except, except, for the, except for except for John Turturro who played the Jesus.
0: Yes. And I'm just saying it had a box office oh, that would have been okay. terrible in the 70s. It was $64,000.
1: I would say this is a completely different situation.
0: I would say enough time has passed between both of them that you're you're just trying to milk a dead cow at this point.
1: Okay. Well, But I'm cynical, so. Anyone who's listened to this podcast any length of time, they must just get tired of figuring out all the times I was right and you were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it just gets old and boring, so we don't have to fight about it. <laughs> um, production begins in February. Billingsley uh, focused, as I said, on behind-the-camera career. He's been a producer on the Broadway musical adaption of Christmas Story which has received three Tony nominations as well as on John Favreau's culinary themed acting talk show dinner for five. He's also an executive producer with Vince Vaughn on Netflix's animated. F is for family and directed the universal comedy couple retreat, couples retreat. I've seen that one. Mm -hmm. It was okay. Wasn't the best. Yeah. But I had a lot of his, uh, a lot of his bros. That's his group. Favreau, Vince Vaughn. They're all, they're all friends. Well, that must be nice. Yeah.
0: Okay. So, I mean, I'll watch it, but like, I'm not going to have like these super high hopes.
1: But let me ask you this: it, Does it make you nervous? I'm getting it's getting hard for me to like. I do have a little bit of negativity when I hear it's going to be on HBO Max, and not a theater release, right? Uh, so, and, and, but that's a change. That's part of this changing kind of world. Yeah, I. I
0: so I don't have any issue with it being on HBO Max.
1: Like, I had to learn that just because something comes out on Netflix doesn't make it automatically junk. Yeah. Because I used to think that up until maybe six months ago. Um, <laughs> oh, it's a movie that went straight to Netflix? Why yeah. would I watch that? It's not like the straight-to-VHS
0: or straight-to-DVD crowd. But I'm still kind of there. It's hard for me to switch my mind over to that. Um, Although... Either it is, either they're forecasting that it wouldn't do well in theaters, because usually if Warner Brothers thinks that they can double up on it, they will have like a 30-day wait before it goes to HBO Max. Yeah. And, yeah. or there's, they're using this to hype up HBO Max originals.
1: Hmm that's
0: the only two things I
1: could think of I'm I'm very positive on it I'm I'm choosing to be positive and basically I've said this before I said this on our Christmas pods um the quality of a holiday themed movie TV show whatever I'm not holding it to as high a standard as like some of our other movie stuff because to me the holiday part of it kind of lends itself to like I'm just trying to get the joy out of this
0: yeah And, I mean, there's definitely a certain crowd that this is, like, a continuation of their Christmas
1: traditions. Mm -hmm. I think a great example of that is that new 8-bit Christmas that came out this Mm -hmm. year. Not a great, like, if you're you're looking at it as just a movie, it's not a great movie. But it had this wonderful, like, um, nostalgic quality that they nailed about the 80s that made it fun for me. And it was Christmas, and so it was just like I could really enjoy it, even though there's a part of my mind that was like, this is not a good movie. Anyways, um, speaking of things that, like we're just talking about things that go to straight to streaming services now, movies made for streaming services, Variety reporting that Daniel Radcliffe, Radcliffe Harry Potter, set to star as Grammy-winning musician Weird Al Yankovic in a Roku original movie, Weird, Al, weird, the Al Yankovic story.
0: <laughs> I love it. I'm <laughs> right. here for it. And I think that's the perfect casting for a Weird Al Yankovic biopic that Weird Al is, like, producing. So, yeah. I think,
1: first of all, let's just be real. Weird Al's a genius. He is. Absolute genius. And so the fact that he is... Helping produce this this movie gives me all the confidence in the world that it's going to be wonderfully weird and awesome. I nearly, like, I think
0: a year before the pandemic, he went on tour, and I nearly had my wife convinced to go see him in <laughs> concert. I was so close.
1: I have sadly never seen him in concert, but I had several of his cassette tapes growing up. Including, um, I'm fat. You know I'm fat. I'm fat. Ham on ham, a whole wheat on (laughs) rye. Wonderful. I lost on Jeopardy, baby. (laughs) Just so so many
0: good ones. I remember when like White Nerdy came out, and like everyone's like. He's back. <laughs> and there was much he was rejoicing.
1: He was never gone. Weird Al, I don't know how long that career spans, but it's a long time. And he's never, the weird thing about him is it's always like a visit from a long lost welcome friend. It's yes. always welcome. It's never, it never goes out of style. Um, the synopsis from Roku reads like this. The biopic holds nothing back, exploring every facet of Yankovic's life, from his meteoric rise to fame with early hits like Eat It and Like a Surgeon. (laughs) Like a surgeon. To his torrid celebrity love affairs (laughs) and famously depraved lifestyle. Even the synopsis is hilarious. Oh, Weird, the Al Yankovic story takes audiences on a truly unbelievable journey through Yankovic's life and career from gifted child prodigy to the greatest musical legend of all time. Nailed it. Oh, my gosh. Totally nailed it. That synopsis makes me want to see this movie. And and it seems like I'll bet he wrote that himself. I hope so. He totally wrote that. I wish we could have Al Yankovic on the pod because I would be like, you wrote that synopsis, didn't you? Because it's, it's comedic genius. It is. Uh, for his part in it, he says, I'm very happy to say we're on schedule, said Al. And I'm absolutely thrilled that Daniel Radcliffe will be portraying me in the film. I have no doubt whatsoever that this is the role future generations will remember him for. <laughs> Al Yankovic is wonderful. Just delightful. Uh, think about all the joy he's spread. So much just by being himself, his wonderful weird owl self smells like nirvana. We're gonna give him a pop culture pastor sticker right there. You got it, yeah. It's like a Buckeye, except better. Buckeye, (laughs) (laughs) uh, Spotify was in the news this last week, um, because of Needle Young. Neil Young, uh, <laughs> well, let's just say this. If you want one last listen to Harvest Moon, you better get to it. Um, he, I, what's his best song? I would say Heart of Gold, but that's me. Young wrote a letter addressed to his management and record label where he referenced the show, The Joe Rogan Experience, which okay. is a podcast, now a video podcast. 30 million listeners. We're coming for you, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Joe. Uh, right. <laughs> um, which, you know, for whatever, you know, at this time he's being criticized for promoting conspiracy theories and false information um, whatever. It's all about the vaccine stuff, but it's never about that. It's just about like, here's the crazy thing I don't understand about the whole Joe Rogan thing. Because we were just talking about this before. We're both casual listeners or observers, and it really has nothing to do with Joe Rogan. When he has someone that we find interesting on is when we'll listen or watch. Yeah. Really has nothing to do with Joe. Not that Joe's not interesting. I find Joe interesting enough. But I also don't, like, nothing he says to me is really sticking in my head after I watch that. It's always, I'm always there for the other person. Like, quite
0: literally... So like for me, he goes from news radio to fear factor to like at one time, both sides of the aisle were like most trusted dude. And I'm like, how did we get here with a guy that's a, a comedian to start off with? And like, I get that comedians are great observers and they pick up on things. But like, literally, everyone and their moms like, "Oh, we love Joe Rogan." And then, like, the past couple of years happened, and then it's become very divisive.
1: Well, and yeah, let's be clear: Joe Rogan didn't change. Yeah, our culture changed around Joe Rogan because Joe Rogan's the same dude he has always been, right? And and again. No disrespect to Joe. Yeah. I think what he's done is amazing. But I don't listen to that show and go, oh, man, the things Joe's are, Joe is saying is really sticking in my head. Like, I get that he's – okay, when he expresses opinion, which isn't that often on his show, Yeah, he mostly – what he does is he gets interesting people on his show, and then he asks them questions, right? Yeah. When he does an expressive opinion – I don't always agree with it, but it doesn't always, it doesn't ruin my day either because at the end of the day, I'm like, it's Joe Rogan. I mean, for goodness sakes, he hosted the man show. I forgot about the man show. (laughs) And and so, like, Um, it's not ruining my day if Joe says something that I disagree with. Like, for instance, Joe often goes on tangents about lazy people, people not taking care of themselves. He thinks it's like the worst thing in the world, but Joe doesn't take into account all the mental problems that people mental health issues people have that contribute to that and the way food in this country is completely messed up yeah he doesn't take because it's easy for him it was easy for him to just be a guy who exercises it was easy for him to focus his mind on that he i think sometimes he assumes it's easy for everybody and yeah. it's not there there's lots of different mental health barriers that that exist in there and i'm that's not the bash joe because we all do that in some way. We all think the things that come naturally to us should come naturally to everybody. That's just not the way we work. Anyway, all that's to say that I don't get the hatred for Joe. I can disagree with Joe and not be like, he's the worst dude ever.
0: Yeah. Like I feel growing up, uh, like you knew, people that loved Howard Stern and people that hated Howard Stern, it, but they didn't talk about Howard Stern. They right. never brought up Howard Stern or uh, Don Imus was another one that like, oh, I don't like his show, so I don't listen. And that was it. Yeah. And now it's, oh my goodness. I can't believe that Joe Rogan said this. How dare he? Who does he think he is?
1: Well, the crazy thing is, is even though those men you mentioned are wildly different. Don Imus, Howard Stern, and Joe Rogan. They also have one quality that is absolutely that they've nailed, which is they have interesting people on their show and they ask him interesting questions. Yeah. And then they let them talk. Okay. That's the basis of all three of those guys success at the end of the day. And Joe is very good at that, but we live in this time also, which is interesting because you have half the country who says, listen to the doctors. But every time Joe has someone with a doctor ahead of his name, you'll see them run in circles trying to discredit them on Twitter. Well, doctor doesn't mean that much in that case because I disagree with him. Yeah.
0: Or what happened with Sanjay Gupta where like there was such an outcry of him going on the show.
1: Oh, because he embarrassed himself.
0: And I'm like, quite literally, like, You are saying that Joe Rogan spreads misinformation. Wouldn't you want someone that you would say has credible information to go on there and share
1: his beliefs, facts, and opinions? I mean, i listened to that show. Sanjay Gupta went on to Joe Rogan and said completely reversed of everything he'd said, like, the week before on CNN. Mm -hmm. And then went on CNN the next day when he realized... I said some things I shouldn't have and then just completely said, I didn't mean any of that and went all the way back the other way. And it's like, look, and again, I'm not even going I don't even care about the topic they were talking about. This whole vaccine thing and all of that, I don't really care about all that. Y'all can fight about that if you want to. I don't really, I'm not going to tell you I have a stand or anything. I just don't care. You just tell me, I'm, I'll wear a mask. You you want me to wear a mask? I'll wear a mask because I I'm a, I love Jesus and I want to make you happy, right? I'm mm-hmm. not going to fight you on it. Uh, you can if you tell us all to get vaccines, I'll I'll give myself a vaccine. That's fine. Um because I want you to be comfortable cuz I love you. But be consistent. That's all. Like I just want and and if you don't know, say I don't know.
0: Yeah, and there's no, no fault in not knowing, especially during this time period where, ah, this is something new. We haven't gone through this yeah. and we haven't gone through it with this virus as anyone walking around on the earth right now.
1: So, yeah. Anyways, this is all really over, overly serious for our podcast. So, Too let me get serious. back on track. I'm just trying to give you, like, tell you where I am with Joe Rogan, which is to say, I'm neutral. He he has interesting people on his podcast. I like to listen when the person interests me. And no. um, I don't regularly listen mostly when he has other people that I don't know or don't care what they do on. Yeah. Um, and Neil Young, in a letter, said, I'm doing this because Spotify is spreading fake information about vaccines, potentially causing death to those who believe the disinformation being spread by them. Young wrote, according to Rolling Stone... Please act on this immediately today and keep me informed on the time schedule. He basically said, uh, lose Joe Rogan or lose my music catalog. Well, today, as we're recording this, uh, Spotify, the streaming service, is in the process of removing Neil Young's music catalog. (laughs) Um,
0: Again, like, there's... Two or three songs that I'm like, oh, Neil, you had some <laughs> hits.
1: And then the rest, I'm like,
0: yeah, you
1: keep it. Um, the interesting thing is, is he published an open letter on Monday. Neil Young did this letter. He sent it to Spotify, but he also put it out there. It's since been deleted. He You can't find it now. He took it offline.
0: Oh. He must have been worried about the Benjamins. Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I get it. Let's just let's just give a bottom line here for the pandemic in this time. This is a time when we're not living in it. It'll be much easier for us to come back and diagnose everything that was happening. Mm-hmm. And I think if we have that understanding, I think the problem we're not getting along with each other right now. Everybody's so angry. First of all, it's because we're in the middle of a mental health crisis that we're not really coming to grips with. We don't really understand it's happening. We're like the frog in the the slowly heating pot of water. You know, if you throw a, a frog in a boiling pot of water, it'll jump right out. But if you put a frog in room temperature water and you slowly heat it up to boiling, it'll never jump out. It'll just die. Yeah. Okay. So I think that's what happened to us. And we're in the middle of this mental health thing. And we're just angry. And we're just really mad at all these people who don't think the same thing we think. Um, but it's very hard for us to use any kind of nuance in this situation because of our anger. I would also put
0: out that, I mean, Neil, like bust onto the scene in the sixties during like the protests, war era protest. And like, he is a Vietnam protester. Okay. And so uh, it's part of Neil's background and neil famously had beef with like leonard skinner over something and i mean
1: neil is one to poke the bear and i mean if 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 we're gonna get into a discussion that this will sound really okay boomerish but we could this is a whole other discussion of uh, my life as an activist really being nothing more than a i'm patting myself on the back because look at me fighting the power blah 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 Cause there's a pride factor to all that.
0: Keep on rocking in the free world. <laughs> I mean that that that's what Neil does. This yeah. is Neil.
1: Yeah, but that's my point. Yeah, is this about Neil, or is this about your fellow man? Um, I would say Neil. Or is this it about guy's... Neil? Uh, Neil fighting the man. Anyways, that's a whole <laughs> other. That's a whole different topic, and I don't want to go there. I just it, it bothers me sometimes that we don't we aren't humble enough to look at our pride and our motivations in everything we do. So even when it seems right, I am partially
0: okay with what Neil did, except for the fact that he took down the letter. Cause mm-hmm. if yeah. you are that serious about your stance on something that you're willing to risk your financial livelihood, mm-hmm.
1: Go for it. If we won't examine our own motivations, they often are on display eventually for everyone. And you're right. I think you're absolutely right. That that's a that's a little clue. Yeah. It's a clue to your motivations, and that's fine. Look, at the end of the day, he could be right. Yeah. I mean, he could be right. The vaccines could be the best way to go. But don't give me the don't feed me the line of anything one hundred percent. Nothing's hundred percent. We live in a world of nuance and complexity. Okay, so stop with the, well, it's 100% safe. No, no, it's not. Nothing's 100% safe. Every time we leave the house in the morning, you're taking a risk of being in an accident, a meteorite hitting you on the head. You know, like, there's a million things that could happen to you every time you leave your house. Yeah. So just, just stop. That's, that's, a, that's a weird, it's a weird flex to take. Don't do it. Yeah. Anyways, we've talked about that's way over serious for our podcast. Uh, But it was pop culture news. Joe Rogan's big in pop culture.
0: Um, Neil Young is big in someone's pop culture era. Honestly,
1: Joe, I don't understand why Joe Rogan got so big. Just doing like other than you Uh, you comparing him to Don Imus and Howard Stern. That's a great comparison because I think those dudes hit on that. Slash
0: he pulls in the UFC crowd. I forgot to mention mm-hmm. like his days as a UFC announcer and so not only does he get the people that would typically listen to those two gentlemen, he also gets the young adult male that is just starting to question things in life, I guess.
1: Yeah, but it's really unfair to pigeonhole His entire audience into, oh, those idiots that watch, you know, Ultimate Fighting.
0: No, he, I would say it's a partial demographic, but it's definitely not close to being a vast majority.
1: Like, listen, um, I listened to one of his podcasts uh, a couple weeks ago because it had a man named Dan Carlin on it who did his own podcast called Hardcore History. Historian. He's a historian. Oh, yeah. That guy. Wonderfully wonderfully gifted and intelligent and incredibly interesting to listen to talk about history. And, and it was a great podcast had nothing to do with current politics or anything like that. And like, he's just, he has those kind of people on. I think people that don't listen and don't understand what he's doing think, Oh, he's just doing anti vaccine podcasts all the time. Like, no, he's having UFC fighters on Some like his podcast from day to day. That's why I don't listen every day is because it's day-to-day, it's wildly different. Oh, yeah. Because it's not about him. It's about whoever he has on.
0: I mean, there's times that I'll purposely listen because I'm like, this guest seems way out there. I want to hear this Mm -hmm. because it'll be entertaining.
1: But Okay. All right, the news portion is over. When we come back, we wanted to talk about stars who almost got cast in roles. That they didn't get cast for. So, like, what if certain roles in your movies would have been different? We're gonna look over some um, and uh, talk about what it would have been like if this person had gotten cast in a movie. Think like the the big one is always Tom Selleck is Indiana Jones. Jones, Yeah. yeah. That's always a big one. Um,
0: So, what if? Yeah, pop culture edition.
1: We're gonna play a little what if when we come back here on Pop Culture Pastor, the podcast. All right, we're back here on Pop Culture Pastor, ready for our main topic, roles that almost got played by someone else. How do we want to start? Do we want to start with people who almost got picked, or do we want to start with people who turned down big roles?
0: Oh, I feel almost got picked and saved the, turned down the big roles because that was their choice in... Silliness
1: on their parts. Um, some of these, um, I, I don't know that all of these will be people that did try it out but didn't get picked. But for whatever reason, um, it's not, it's a different list. So I have a list of some who turned down a role, like literally was offered and they turned down. Mm. Uh, this list is just stars who almost played iconic parts. Madonna almost was Catwoman in Batman Returns. Now it's one of her career regrets. Madonna told Jimmy Fallon that she turned down the role that ultimately went to Michelle Pfeiffer as uh, well as the leading role in Showgirls, which she doesn't regret at all.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think that they upgraded with Michelle Pfeiffer. You think so? I do. Yeah. I mean, Madonna was good in A League of Their Own. Um yeah, I, mean, I I
1: just don't know. She also says she passed on the Matrix. Did Madonna? Do, does Madonna strike you as maybe someone who's so big that maybe this all is just in her mind that they wanted her to try out? <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> like the, like, maybe that her mind didn't register that like she didn't, wouldn't automatically get the role that she had to come try out. I don't know. Like, I find it hard to believe that the creators of the Matrix absolutely wanted Madonna. In the
0: Wachowskis that role. really were huge fans of Madonna's work, and were like, "But I don't want to call Madonna a liar." Uh, you know what? I think that I would be more intrigued by the Matrix if
1: she was playing that role. So she could have definitely been Catwoman. I'm inclined to think you're right that Michelle Pfeiffer was the best fit. She was. I mean, she's great. People. Yeah. I, it's it's hard to explain to someone who wasn't alive then or wasn't like old enough then to really get into Batman Returns how much she was the I mean that movie was all about her when it came out I mean she was the star of that movie take that Mike yeah it's not that Michael Keaton was bad or the movie was bad it was just she was the focus because I mean she was wearing leather latex skin yeah. tight suit. And that was like, you know, again, you, you compare it to what you had before, which the only version of that we'd ever had was like Julie Newmar on that, on the campy Batman TV show. <laughs> and look, look, boys fell in love with Julie Newmar too. Yeah. But um, this was something else. Completely. Yeah. Because Tim Burton. Right. Oh, Timothy. Yeah. So that's interesting, you know. Um how about this Millie Bobby Brown of Stranger Things uh, with her, you know, she's the a fan favorite. has 11 on Stranger Things. She recently revealed she auditioned to play the X-23 part in the movie Logan, the little girl in Logan. Oh, wow. But the part went to newcomer Daphne King. Though she says, uh, Millie Bobby Brown says it was her best audition she's ever given. but They didn't <laughs> go with her. They went with the other girl, and what do you think about that? You want me to go first on this one? Yeah. I, I t- tend to think Logan's about a perfect movie. So I'm loath to be like, well, I'm." she may have been distracting. It was good that that girl was someone I didn't know.
0: Yeah. I'm trying to think if she was a name
1: when Logan came out. I, I feel like it was pretty close to when season one came out. It would have been close enough.
0: Yeah. Um i i agree Logan like beginning to end really top notch mm-hmm. and uh the girl that they did get to play um uh, yeah she she was phenomenal, and like she kind of like brought about that feralness of of the part but then like Became kind of like a loving daughter figure by the end of it. And then, yeah. It, so I don't know if the movie would have been any better with Eleven playing uh, that role. But it might have affected uh, Millie Bobby Brown's career. That's um, That she might not have been able to do roles. Mm-hmm. And who knows? We might not have gotten her in the Godzilla
1: movies. So what if questions are always fun to ask with these, which leads me to this one. This is a huge one. What would have happened if back in 2005, Gwen Stefani would have landed the role of Jane in Mr. and Mrs. Smith for which she auditioned instead of Angelina Jolie. Would Jennifer Aniston and Brad Pitt be married? Um, <laughs> yes, do we go there? Is it can probably we go there? not? No, um,
0: but I don't
1: think that movie would have been that good. So she was on Howard Stern back in 2016 and said she implied that maybe she was offered it, but she because she said she wanted to do her music more at the time and so did not go for it. Have we seen her act in anything?
0: I I don't remember. I don't think so. And so like it's a weird yeah, it's just kind of out of nowhere, but she said it. And like now like this is the probably the movie where Angelina Jolie like she's she's famous before this, but like she solidifies as like a superstar post this movie. Yeah. So Ah, I I don't know about if the movie would be in any better. We might have had Brad and Jen a little bit longer. I'm, and we might not have had yeah. Brad and Angelina,
1: Brangelina as I like to call it. As much as I love Gwen Stefani, uh, on, on the 1995 album Tragic Kingdom alone. That <laughs> is one of my favorite albums of all time. Um, I, I can't really see her. In that movie, I can't do it. It's, uh, I'm just not really seeing it. But I do love Gwen, and uh, if she says it, I believe her. You know, Eddie Redmayne, yes, currently in the uh, Fantastic Beast, Beast series, mm-hmm. the Harry Potter thing. He's good. Revealed that he auditioned to play Han and Leia's uh, son Kylo Ren in The Force Awakens. He was trying, he says I was trying again and again with different versions of my kind of <laughs> 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 and after like ten shots, uh casting director was like, You got anything else? <laughs> and he was like, No. So he, he said it was a less than successful audition. He probably uh, wasn't seriously considered. Well, like I
0: can't see him as <laughs> no. as brooding, angry. No. no. Kylo Ren, they, they did a good job with uh, Mr. Driver. Yeah, well, you know... Um, uh, the I, script it, writing could have been better for him, but it was, yes.
1: It, so, yeah, it, it, it's tongue-in-cheek. Eddie Redmayne wasn't saying he ever seriously had a shot. He did audition. Although he's... And I haven't seen all of these movies, but I did see the first Fantastic Beasts. I'm not totally into the Harry Potter world, but... I know a lot of people are, and a lot of our fellow geeks are, so I I understand the pull of it. I will say he's wonderful in that role. He's perfect to play um, Newt.
0: He did a great job as Stephen Hawking.
1: Yeah, he's he's got this quality about him that makes him perfect for these certain types of roles. And I'll say, I think from the sequels of Star Wars, Adam Driver was the best part of him. He was amazing as Kylo Ren in all of those movies. Um but then that's all I'll say about that. <laughs> How about this one? This one's crazy. In a 2015 Vanity Fair piece, uh, Ben Affleck revealed he was a major frontrunner for the leading man role of Josh in Clueless that eventually went to Paul Rudd.
0: Oh. Do you
1: that- remember young Ben Affleck? He probably could have pulled this off. He, pro- he could have pulled it off But it does change the movie a little bit because Paul Rudd, even that was when he breaks on the scene. Yeah. And there's no KU hat then. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. He's probably wearing a Red Sox hat. But in that moment, uh, Paul Rudd's charm kind of makes that character in the movie. I mean, there's just something about Paul Rudd that Ben Affleck doesn't have.
0: I was going to say for that, it would have been very Bostonian
1: cuz right? like he doesn't <laughs> try
0: to hide an accent early on in his career. No. no. Uh Rounders, uh Goodwill Hunting, um I, I don't think he hides it well in Dogma. So yeah, no, it it definitely shifts. I'm not saying Ben couldn't play it, because Ben has gone on to do a phenomenal job in
1: almost everything he's been in, probably
0: except Geely.
1: It's another one of those great what-if questions, because, yeah, I think the movie would have been fine. I think Clueless would have been fine with Ben Affleck in that role. But it definitely changes the movie, and it most definitely probably changes the trajectory of both of their careers, Affleck and Uh, Paul
0: Rudd. Because Paul Rudd hasn't been on Friends yet. Oh, no, 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 no. This is well before that. Yeah. So, yeah, we don't have that's not until like the early aughts, I think. I was going to say late 90s, but early aughts, probably yeah. that range. He's not
1: on until the, like the last couple seasons of Friends.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Paul, we might not have Ant Man right now. <sighs> Man. Paul Rudd's a national treasure.
1: Yeah. I'm thankful for him. But I also like Ben Affleck. Yeah. Lots of Kansas connection there, by the way. Paul Rudd went to KU, and Ben Affleck in one of his most recent movies played a dude that got recruited by KU. <laughs> it's all about KU, folks. Yeah. Yeah. It's a Kansas thing. Um, this is a bit of MCU, what ifery? Well, oh, that's our favorite type. And this one's pretty much this one's more well known, I think. Chris Evans eventually won everyone's heart as his portrayal of Steve Rogers and Captain America, but it very very easily could have been Jim Halpert, otherwise known as John Krasinski. Yeah. Who played Captain America. In fact, they even went so far to screen test him in uniform. In Captain America uniform. Um, I'm glad they didn't. I love John Krasinski. I love him. But it doesn't work for me. So I don't look at him and think, man, that's Steve Rogers.
0: I think now he could. I don't think back then he could, because I think it's still too close to the office. That because um, the lady that played Pam, she was cast in a role, and like a quarter of the way through filming, they were like, "Ah, oh, everyone just sees Pam making out with." this dude and we don't like that. <laughs> and so, I mean, I think that it could have been, he needed a few more roles to like, you could point to and be like, okay, he's not Jim Halpert. He's a lot broader of a person than that. Um, but at the same time, like Chris Evans has played a lot of comic book people. Mm-hmm. Um, cause fantastic four, yeah. Um and then he's in Scott Pilgrim versus the World.
1: Snowpiercer is a based on a graphic novel.
0: And it's so book, yeah. he's he's in a handful of mm-hmm. these. And you know, like although the Captain America movies are up there on my Marvel list, I would be kinda
1: intrigued to see a John Krasinski captain. Well, if the rumors are true, you're going to get to see a John Krasinski read Richards in uh, The Multiverse of Madness. Well, it better be true. That would be an amazing cameo. Um, here's my thought on that. There is a boyish quality to Steve Rogers in the comics that I feel like Chris Evans has and John Krasinski does not. John Krasinski doesn't look boyish. He looks like a man. And this isn't to like say that Chris Evans doesn't look like a man. Chris Evans doesn't look like a man. There's just something about Chris Evans face where he retains like a baby face, kind of a boyish quality. And I, I just saw captain America as that Steve Rogers as that he's boy scout America. You know, he's just Steve Rogers. Like, I don't know. I love John Krasinski and would love for him to play Reed Richards or find another part for him too. But All I think the they parts. I think they nailed it with Chris Evans. You couldn't have made that part any better with anyone else in my opinion. Okay. Um speaking of the MCU, Tom Hiddleston was originally trying out for the part of Thor. Yes. In the first Thor movie. He now he wows as the villain Loki. Um but he told Chelsea Handler back in 2013 that he tried out for Thor. That's what he wanted to do.
0: Um, and the person that we have to thank for him not being that is someone that we have kind of despised recently, and that's Joss Whedon. Oh, really? Because he made that, uh, what was it? Was it Cabin in the Woods? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like the end of the world... A movie that had um, Hemsworth in it, and uh, he's like, Oh, he'd be really good as a superhero. And he threw his name out to Marvel, and Marvel was like, Audition for this. Yeah.
1: Well, let's be clear Josh, Josh, J- Josh Whedon sucks. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Josh, it's cool. I'm a pastor. I love you. I do. Everyone's broken. Call me. We'll talk. But yeah, I mean, no, not many people like him right now. Yes, it's, it's it, uh, you can see why um, he, he's struggling a
0: little bit as a human. I think Tom doesn't <laughs> fit that that Thor build in my mind. No, like no. even if you put a blonde wig on him,
1: he totally looks like Loki.
0: Yeah, fits it perfectly.
1: Not only he wasn't the only one who auditioned for Thor, though. Oh, Liam Hemsworth. Also, Chris's brother, Chris, who eventually landed the role, um, he tried out for Thor and lost it to his brother. Although you don't feel too bad for him, he went on to star in another franchise called The Hunger Games. So I haven't been
0: super impressed by anything Liam's been in, whether it's because of the source material or his acting, I can't tell. (laughs) Um, cause he was in that Nicholas Sparks movie with Miley Cyrus.
1: Even, even from the hunger game movies, he shares a lot of, there's a, there's a lot of Hemsworth qualities that Chris brings to Thor. Yeah. So if you watch the hunger games, you can see his, his brother in some of the stuff he does. He'd have been fine, but he's not quite as buff as Chris either.
0: Um, and then there's the older Hemsworth.
1: I don't even know who that is.
0: Um, he was in Westworld and uh, Ragnarok because he's the one that plays Thor in the play.
1: Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now you're just making things up. I'm not. <laughs> there is no older brother. <laughs> there is. <laughs> How about this? This one's great. Um, Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey. hey. According to an interview in 2016... Um, Gave an audition for a movie where he left and he thought he had it. I really enjoyed it. He said he auditioned with Kate Winslet, who really enjoyed it. It was a huge opportunity, but Jim Cameron liked Leonardo DiCaprio better. But we almost had Matthew McConaughey saying, I'm the king of the world. All right, all right, all right. (laughs) Yes, right. He almost got the part of Jack in Titanic. And Kate
0: could have said i'll never let go as she tosses his hand
1: into the cold ocean man i'm this one i'm not going to get over this one anytime soon because i'm dying to see a version of titanic with a young matthew mcconaughey in it um
0: (laughs) so like that definitely would change trajectory for both actors
1: well not only that but it changes that movie something fierce yeah leonardo brings something to that role that only he can bring and i mean he looks like
0: boyish in that where mcconaughey at this time is Mm -mm. no
1: well leo has always had that yeah he's got this boyish quality impish almost Mm -hmm. he's got an impish quality whereas mcconaughey comes in there and he's got like the the rock jaw jawline. Mm-hmm. And he just looks so alpha male, right? Yeah. So it'd be completely different. Like Matthew McConaughey's jack totally whoops up Billy Zane, right? Yes. <laughs> mm, I'll punch you in this right now. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Zane. Uh, but yeah, there's I definitely want to see that version of Titanic <laughs> <laughs> just to see if the he works in all right, all right, all right. This one's great. In uh, Entertainment Weekly's 2014 Oral History of the Terminator, director James Cameron revealed that O.J. Simpson was a name brought up to play the re- lead role. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> Which famously went to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. Mike Metavoy, who was the head of Orion uh, movie uh, producers back then, He said, are you sitting down? You must sit down because I want O.J. Simpson for The Terminator. Recalled James Cameron. (laughs) Uh, I mean, I know O.J. acted in the (laughs) Naked
0: Gun movies, but like.
1: (laughs) I'm telling you what. That line, I'll be back, becomes a lot more scary (laughs) when it's (laughs) O.J. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, what, what if we lived in a world where that happened? Does Ar- does Arnold Schwarzenegger never become a big star in that scenario? Uh, probably not, Do huh? we not get jingle all the way? <laughs> With OJ? <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man.
1: Oh, that one's wild.
0: California misses out on the governor. Oh. And maybe a police chase.
1: That is absolutely wild. Um Here's another Marvel cinema, Cinematic Universe. Uh this one involves the Black Widow. But early on in the uh, the making of Iron Man 2, it was Emily Blunt that was the first choice. John's wife to play the Black Widow, John Favreau's first choice was Emily Blunt to play Natasha Romanoff. <clears throat> Blunt was also considered for the Peggy Carter role that it went to Haley Atwell. So there's some interesting trivia. Um she bowed out of both parts, so she had them if she wanted them, but had scheduling conflicts and has since kind of said that, that may may, there may have been more to that, because she seemed to indicate here in an interview in the last six months that she's just not interested in the comic book movies, is Emily Blunt, and that's okay.
0: I think she would have done great as oh, I do too. the Black Widow.
1: Yeah, well, she's got that quality. I mean, yeah, you know, first of all, she's beautiful, of course, but she's just got, she's tall. She she's got she looks athletic. Mm-hmm. You know, some people would just look athletic. This is not a woman thing; it's a man and woman thing. Some men, you know, like Paul Giamatti, doesn't strike me as someone who's <laughs> super athletic. Although he played a villain, he did, in the Marvel universe, which
0: I'm glad did <laughs> we not won't make talk about that <laughs> <laughs> it's an appearance in the most recent Spider-Man movie. Um. I mean, like that movie that she did with Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Mm. I was like, oh, I believed that they could be an in, in, in
1: action couple in this. Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely. Uh, but that's, that's cool. It's fun to think about how some of these things would have worked out. This one's really interesting. Big, starring Tom Hanks. Classic. Apparently, when it first started off in development, it had a horror vibe to it. It was supposed to be kind of scary.
0: Um it well I mean you wake up as an adult being a 13-year-old kid you'd be scared
1: too. <laughs> the original uh, the film star uh, one of the stars Elizabeth Perkins who played the the girl love interest. Mhm. Re- revealed on Watch What Happens Live that Robert De Niro was initially set to headline the beloved 1988 comedy. Uh, she,
0: th- that would have holy cow
1: (laughs) Robert De Niro was actually cast in the role of Josh in the movie big it fell apart because he had a scheduling conflicts that's when they went to Tom Hanks so yeah
0: that would have been scary because Robert De Niro is a bold personality like there's nothing kiddish about him where Tom Hanks
1: you're like ah he looks like a giant kid having fun serious question I know Robert De Niro is a wonderful actor. Do we think he could pull off pretending to be like an eight-year-old trapped in an adult body? No. I honestly don't think he could. It wouldn't be believable. And I I say that, it hurts me to say that, because I loved him and Meet the Parents. He, He can be funny, but he's just so alpha that I just don't believe it. I don't believe he could play that nuance. Yeah. And basically what I'm saying is I challenge you, Robert De Niro, to come on the podcast and convince me that you could play a kid trapped in an adult's body. We could have an exclusive here. We could. Make that happen, Robert. Have your people call our people. Owen Wilson was always Ben Stiller's first choice for the role of Hansel in Zoolander. Yeah. But in an interview with Esquire... Stiller admitted that the role almost went to another actor who is also really, really, really ridiculously good looking. Uh, And that would be Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, wow. Jake Gyllenhaal was almost Hansel if his friend Owen couldn't be in it. That went the right way. It did. (laughs) Owen Wilson was born to play Hansel, and uh, I'm glad that worked out. Adrian Brody was almost in Lord of the Rings as Frodo. Um,
0: so I'm actually a huge Adrian Brody fan
1: and I think I'm here for it it's another one of those things where like Elijah Wood embodied that part so well that I can't imagine it being anyone else but I don't think that that role calls for something that he, some other people couldn't have done Yeah. so do I think Adrian Brody could have done that, sure.
0: I'm naming it and claiming it. But Elijah Wood. I, mean, I mean, he did a great job. I
1: mean, he's like what I imagined a hobbit looked like. He still looks like a hobbit. He's got those big, beautiful eyes, pasty skin. Yeah. Short. Yeah.
0: I think he's short. Like, he's,
1: I mean, I don't know. Yeah. He just should have been that role, right? Yeah. Uh, do you know who Glenn Howerton is? Yes. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. That's right. Always sunny in Philadelphia. <sighs> this is amazing. James Gunn recently said... Jimmy Gunn. When casting for Guardians of the Galaxy, that if Chris Pratt, and Pratt hadn't signed on to play the part of Star-Lord slash Peter Quill, that it very well could have gone to Glenn Howerton of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia.
0: Okay, so it would be a different movie but i'm here for it yeah because i mean glenn howerton plays a jerk really well mm-hmm. a funny jerk cuz yeah. like chris pratt like he is kind of a jerk in as star lord but yet he's a lovable jerk
1: yeah 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 yeah
0: there's a lovable he's a quality. different
1: he's a different kind of jerk
0: yeah where glenn is not but, oh, I, he's funny.
1: <laughs> it would have made the movie different, and I love Chris Pratt in the role of Star-Lord, but there's something about this what-if that makes me want to be like, oh, I badly want to see this movie. Because if you watch AP at all, yeah. AP Bio, mm-hmm. uh, which is what Glenn Howerton is in now, along with he still does It's, it's Always, always sunny. sunny. Oh, oh, man. The character he plays in AP Bio, I, it, it could just be Star-Lord, right?
0: So that's... Like, very close to his character, and it's always sunny. And so, yeah, I, like, I'd watch that. I'm totally here for it. (laughs) If there's a multiverse appearance of him as (coughs) Star-Lord, yes,
1: sign me up. Uh, Jamie Dornan could have been Superman. Um. Who's Jamie? Jamie Dornan is the guy who was in the uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, Grey movie. Oh, so my wife does not like him. <laughs> he told the New York Times that he lost out on the role of Superman to Henry Cavill. Uh, but his dreams of being a superhero aren't over. He has met with Marvel Studios President Kevin Feige about being someone in the MCU. Mm. Um, that's the, Yeah, I think they went the right way on this one. Oh, yeah. Henry Cavill was born to play Superman. Yeah, he just was handed an awful script. Oh, man. Man of Steel, the first half of Man of Steel is great. And then it jumps the shark. Yeah. Yeah, just, it just goes a bad direction at that point. Um, All right, we only got enough time for a few more of these
0: as my laptop battery is running out. I also have one that you might not know but you might know. So,
1: well, hold on. I'm that. holding on to mine till the end. This one this one was in the news for a while or here recently. Andrew Garfield recently uh said that he auditioned for the role of Prince Caspian in the 2008 sequel to CS Lewis's adaptation of The Chronicles of Nardia, but lost out to Ben Barnes. And the reasoning he he says I remember I was so desperate. I auditioned for it. And he kept thinking this could be it. This could be it. Uh, He was broken up about not getting it because he was told he just wasn't handsome enough. He was too ugly. Which is is hilarious (laughs) because Andrew Garfield is Andrew Garfield. But Ben Barnes, he's dreamy. (laughs) (laughs) we're just being honest
0: (laughs) it's unfortunate
1: Uh, I mean what are you gonna do
0: I did read that like he was in like the final two or three for consideration for Prince Caspian yeah so like he made it pretty far went up against yeah an
1: unstoppable force he did he did Ben Barnes, for what it's worth, I thought was great in the role of Prince Caspian, um, but that movie led to the downfall, anyway, of that whole series. It, it did. Slash, I
0: don't know if you can keep making those, just because like the kids in real life age too fast.
1: Yeah, and I will say it. It was not. It wasn't Ben Barnes' fault. Yep, not Ben's, because he was great in that role. Um. Oh no. Oh no. I just lost it. Hold on.
0: Gone, but not forgotten. Yeah. Um
1: There we go. I got it back. No, I didn't. There we go. Okay. Tom Hanks as Forrest Gump. Now we're into by the way the roles that were just turned down by someone else first. Yeah. So this is this is going to blow your mind. Did you know that originally the role of Forrest Gump was offered to John Travolta? But he played it down or he he uh chose he turned it down to be in pulp fiction. I think he made the right choice. By he the way. did. Pulp fiction is what puts John Travolta back on the map. It is and
0: like after watching a behind-the-scenes story about the making of Forrest Gump, like Tom Hanks invests heavily in it in in like the script altering process, mm, and so mm. I don't think it would have been nearly as good of a movie because you don't no. have the Hanksian
1: effect on it. I have read both the Forrest Gump books. Yes, there's two. There's a sequel, Ew. and they're strange. They're not. They're not. There's a lot of differences between. The, the Robert Zemeckis, Tom Hanks movie in the books. And I'm imagining them being more like the books, and it would have been a much weirder movie. But John Travolta might have done fine in it.
0: Uh, John Travolta does good and weird.
1: Yeah, so he could have been. And he had, like, kind of a Michael, where he played an angel, where yeah. he played an archangel. <laughs> the archangel. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, he had a quality in that that was kind of weird. Uh, yes. But, like, a heart kind of movie. It was a heartfelt movie. Um, legally Blonde, Reese Witherspoon, uh, eventually got the roles as Elle Woods, but is turned down by Christina Applegate.
0: Oh, Christina, that was a rookie mistake on your part.
1: <clears throat> she did say uh, that it was a stupid move. She shouldn't have turned that down. I agree with her. She said she was kind of scared of repeating herself, which she had kind of played a dumb blonde for pretty much the beginning of her career on married with children. Yeah, except like this dumb
0: blonde got into Harvard.
1: Yeah, well, I mean yeah, so that's the joke of those movies though, right? Yeah. She appears dumb, but she's not. Yeah. So she missed out. This one is a is a very famous. We're kind of in lightning mode here. Okay. This one's pretty famous. Um Keanu Reeves as Neo in The Matrix. Originally offered to Will Smith, Will I am Smith, you silly goose. Originally considered for the starring part of Neo, uh, he said that he believes he would have messed it up if he had taken the part. Um, and then he turned it down for
0: uh, Wild West, Wild Wild West. West. Yeah. Yes, which the best. Okay, the, the best thing that came from that movie. Was was the
1: hamburger
0: at Burger King I
1: thought you were going to say the soundtrack The
0: Wild Wild West hamburger
1: You're like well Enrique Iglesias Did put (laughs) Bailamos
0: That is true And Will Smith's song Wild Wild
1: West Was not bad Mm, It wasn't good like, <laughs> and this is coming from someone who actually kind of likes Will Smith's music. So, like, it was catchy,
0: <laughs> like the flu. So, but no, that like because it was like a burger that had barbecue sauce on it at Burger King, and like that's when I learned you can put other condiments besides ketchup. Look on it, people
1: bag that all the time, and people will sit here after the fact and be like, "What an idiot! He turned down The Matrix to be in Wild Wild West." Don't get it twisted. Wild Wild West was a huge budget production. Oh, yeah. Huge summer blockbuster movie. He got paid. He did. Like, listen, The Matrix was a small movie, comparatively speaking. And it, like,
0: became kind of like this otherworldly thing after a while. It wasn't like, yeah. Oh, everyone just knew Keanu Reeves and the matrix was going to be
1: huge. There isn't any ins- as- aspiring actor who's looking to make it who, when pitched both of those roles and those scenarios wouldn't have gone with wild, wild west. Yeah. It just in No way. No way.
0: Although I would have chose acting with Larry Fishburne any day.
1: Um, we, t- we already talked about Titanic and we imagined that Leo DiCaprio was placed displaced by Matthew, Matthew. McConaughey Matteo what if Kate Winslet uh, was not the role in Titanic of the the, the female lead okay cuz it was turned down by Gwyneth Paltrow
0: i thank thinking this
1: Kate took over She doesn't say much about it because she said her mom told her it wasn't ladylike to openly discuss parts she had turned down. Um, But she did say she couldn't change the past, which means to say, I think she thinks it's a mistake she made that she should have played that.
0: Well, yeah, for her career, because like at that time. eh, Like she's in roles, but like she's not the hugest actress in the world. And Mm -hmm. Kate Winslet's. Career takes off.
1: Yeah. All right. This is one of my favorites. Han Solo, played by Harrison Ford. Pan? Was turned down by another actor first. Uh-oh. Can you name him?
0: It'd be hilarious if it was Tom Selleck again. It was not Tom Selleck.
1: <laughs> it's even better. It was Burt Reynolds.
0: Oh, Burt Reynolds his
1: mustache. Burt Reynolds, according to Business Insider, had told, had said that he just didn't want to play that kind of role at the time, before Harrison Ford was even on that project. Uh, Burt Reynolds said no. And also Al Pacino, <laughs> a young Al Pacino said no. Oh, that would have been a completely <laughs> different movie. <laughs> I love you. I uh, know. <laughs> 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 oh, uh, you got to let the Wookiee win. <laughs> all right. That's my very bad Al Pacino impression. Nailed it. <laughs> uh, okay. That's all I got. What do you got?
0: Okay. So we nearly had a different Marty McFly.
1: Mm, I know this one. I actually know this one. Do you kn- remember the guy's name? <sighs> He was the guy that played, uh, he was in the movie Mask. He was the guy in the
0: movie Mask. Yeah. Uh, What was his name? Is it Eric? Eric Stoltz. Eric Stoltz. Yeah. He actually started filming scenes. Yeah. And then they were over him.
1: Yeah. They were like, "Mm, this isn't going to work. They made a good choice. They did. Yeah. Michael J. Fox was born to be that guy. He was born to be Marty McFly. Yes. Yes.
0: Such a good movie.
1: I never thought I'd say that after Family Ties. Like, everybody was like, man, he was just born to be uh, whoever he was in Family Ties. Alex P. Keaton? Yeah, Alex P. Keaton. That's it. Everybody would have been like, he was born to be that guy. Who's wildly different from Marty McFly.
0: Um, And then, uh, what is the show that he's on in the 90s where he's
1: in the New York mayor's (laughs) office? (laughs) By the way michael p or alex p keaton would be like a hated individual he was super republican oh he was (laughs) everybody would hate him today
0: yes Uh, personally i i love michael j fox and everything he's in um spin city that was the name of the show yeah he was in spin city Uh, he did a good job as
1: Stuart little forever forever to be remembered as marty mcfly though Teen Wolf. What, what a wonderful set of movies! Back to the Future turned out to be yes. Just for if nothing else, for the the people in that movie, just really they hit it. Uh, Michael J. Fox as Marty. Um, Christopher Doc, Lloyd. Christopher Lloyd as Doc Brown. Just wonderful. Yeah. You didn't. The casting agents they didn't go wrong.
0: Um, Crispin Glover, oh. and then guy that plays lookalike Crispin Glover. <laughs> <laughs> Spin Glover
1: was so weird. He was off the rails. Still kind of is. Man. Okay. We learned a lot this episode. Um, We learned. uh, I thought of something else we got to add to our list of things we don't talk about. We don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about Fight Club. We don't. And we don't talk about. Uh, I lost it. I forgot. I'll remember it for the next show. <laughs> I hope because we're ending on a cliffhanger. <laughs> tune in uh, next week and see if Dave tune remembers. In, tune in next week to see if my COVID addled brain remembers <laughs> who who we're not supposed to talk about. <laughs> or what we're not supposed to talk about.
0: Yeah, because you did not tell me, so I can't help you remember.
1: Um. Yeah the vast right-wing conspiracy <laughs> 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 that Hillary Clinton was always talking about. I don't know. Okay. Uh, that's we're we're out of, we're out of time as always. Thank you so much to everyone listening. It would be a huge help to us. We've got a lot of big plans, big, big plans that have everything to do with our, our minister's hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, we have plans in motion to get a booth, At the Kansas, the Comic Con in Kansas City, that's exciting. Uh, It costs us quite a bit of money because doll hairs. Most of the people that go there, they're selling something, which we're not really going to do. No, we want to be there and create relationships and just be a light in that that room. Yeah, and to just hang around fellow geeks and have fun. Um, So, yeah, and meet Superman. You're you're probably wondering what does this have to do with you? Um, Keep your eyes out We're going to do some fundraisers Sell some cool t-shirts Pop culture pasture gear Some swag Swag That maybe you'll want uh, But in the meantime It would help us immensely If you uh, subscribe to our podcast If you like it And gave us a good review mm, That'd be nice That would be awesome So give us a good review On whatever whatever you're doing And share us Share if you like it Share the episode On your social media Tell tell people why you like it Hmm. That would be great. We we are humbled that there's even anyone listening at all. <laughs> we heart you, precious listener. We do heart you. All right. We'll see you next week. Everyone have a wonderful and blessed week.